the Education Lounge podcast. Welcome to the Education Lounge podcast. This is episode nine, and today we're joined by Rupa Haji, who is El Presidente, because she <laughs> basically... <laughs> she, she basically um, the big B. Yeah, she's the big B. <laughs> she manages uh, Rupa Institution, which is us, and... Also, the Honeypot Day Nursery, which is managed by Vicky Crossley, who also joins us on this chat. Which is in Huddersfield. Yeah. Okay. So... Hi, Vicky. Hi. All right. So, I just want to start by asking, um, what's your experience in childcare and education? Um, First of all, to Rupa. Well, to me, okay, so uh, 2004, I did a early years PGCE, which uh, if you've watched previous podcasts, etc., you'll you'll know I was unable to finish for personal circumstances, Um, was tutoring all the way through it. Uh, Again, that was, it was just like a hobby, was just doing it as a favour to a friend and it just built from there. Prior to that, in... 20 years ago, 2001, uh, we bought a childcare business. And the reason, because this is the first question I'm always asked, you're in London, that's 200 miles away. Why, why so far away? And the reason was because my husband refused to buy anything that was on lease. Uh, and it was a business that he was running at the time, and it was a 29-place nursery that was running, I have to say, very badly because the lady who we bought it from was on the verge of a nervous breakdown and had a nervous breakdown. Okay. Um, and then that eventually got built up. We had a lot of issues in 2004 when the the then... Every child was it every child matters then I can't remember what it was called it was called every child matters basically it got um, what's that I can't think of the word not legalized but um, you know they the government put in they, they brought in some regulations some regu- it got regulated that's yeah. the word it got regulated. Uh, We had major issues because the then manager um, didn't do what she was asked to do. And at this end, there was a lot of ill health. Um, So things fell apart a little bit. Um, So we rebranded. We started again. We re-registered with Ofsted. um, And I think Vicky came along not far after that, was it? wasn't too far. Uh, it was about 2003, 2004 when I came. Yes. Um, but I came on a college placement to start off with. Yes. Yeah, it was um, It was September 2004. So, I did, yeah, I did my college placement and then did that for a year and then I did another placement here and then... I got offered a full-time job. So then going from there, I was a nursery nurse and then I went to a nursery room senior and then worked up and then went to deputy manager and now manager. Yes. 
Really. Done really well. So so then in uh, so that was in two thousand and four, and Vicky has been with us all that time. And then in two thousand and twelve, the 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 manager then Millie, who sort of started just before Vicky did, who's now retired, rang me up on a snowy February to say the building next door's come up for sale. So at this point, it was at this time it was a twenty nine place nursery. I went to view the building the the next week. We set up plans on what we could do. Uh, I put together a business proposition, took it to a couple of banks. Uh, we got keys in July, I think it was, and then it went mad. Till and we were in there by September. We had August. We had effectively six weeks to turn this building mm-hmm. into a nursery. While and obviously I'm over here, but I did go up there for that time. Um, while the other nursery was still running, yeah, and then one weekend everything got transferred over. How many places does did the new building hold? This in? one holds sixty-two, okay. so we've doubled in size, right. more than doubled in size. Um, and it it's it's been a hell of a journey, really. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, next, yeah. let's, let's let's move on to the next question. Um, so I'm just wondering, what what do you think is the purpose of nurseries? So as you see it, like why would a, a parent send their child to a nursery? I I have a big picture answer to this. I don't know whether you, Vicky, want to wade in on this first. I think from like getting to see the experiences that children are having, it's about them being able to interact and you know, have social time with children because some children don't get to see anybody else. Um, so it's more like getting getting them opportunities to mm. get messy, socialise, um, learn and just play. Yeah, a, a lot of lot of what we see is for, I mean, this is just one example and this is by no means every single child. But the nursery is in a deprived area. Um, we have a lot of children who um, would generally develop less social skills. Um, so, for example, teaching children how to use knife and fork and cutlery. It's a very sort of simple example. Yeah. But, you know, so, so the staff will often have to role model what to do. And the... The big picture answer to what what the purpose of nurseries, in my opinion, is as society has changed, as both parents, because in sort of, if you think about in the 50s, it was the the man who went out to work and the woman did the childcare. Um, And, and, you know, you knew your neighbours and it was a, a community. And then as women have had to go out to work to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously with Second World War and all of that, um, and the breakdown of sort of the extended family, what happens to the children? Yeah. So they need the childcare. So care. they need the childcare and governments. And in fact, this is now, childcare has, has become, 
is is developed here and in the states and in in the sort of Western world, but you know you you know that um, probably about five years ago, no more than that because we've had lockdown. Probably about seven years ago, uh, I was getting emails to say you know there are opportunities to set up childcare businesses in places like India and China. Um, so it's beginning. The same process is taking place over there. So, so the idea of childcare is to have a systemized uh, process where children get to do all the things they would have done um, before both parents had to go so, out to work. So these like these nurseries, do they have like? Is there any regulation in terms of curriculum? Or? Yes. Okay. So curriculum came in in 2004, wasn't it, Vicky? First one was Every Child Matters. Your sound has gone. Every Child Matters. And then it was something else I can't remember. It was the seven steps of le- the seven areas of learning were brought in after that, but I can't remember what it was. And then they brought in the EYFS, which is the early years foundation stage. So just like in school, you have key stage one, mm-hmm. key stage two, etc. The early years foundation stage is the bit that key stage one is built. Sorry, key stage one is built on the early years foundation stage. So there are seven areas of learning, aren't there? Yeah. Um, can't remember them off the top of my head, but basically you're looking at children being able to read and write, to be able to count and have social skills uh, and become independent. But then there's a lot of, like when you teach a child in year one, there's a lot of them that struggle with... Oh, yeah. They don't reach the minimum. No, no. In fact, we've got, because of lockdown... um, We've got children who come to tuition who are in year two who can't read. Now, in places like Sweden uh, and the Nordic countries, that's quite common, you know, that that a child is not really taught to read till they're about seven. It's just play Mm. till then, although I think it may be changing. Um, But we do get a lot of children. We're seeing more and more children in tuition who are who who are at least a year behind based on the EYFS and the key stage one. I don't know what you're finding, Vicky, with EYFS. Yeah. Like at the moment you can tell that lockdown's had a big impact on all of the ages. So usually we'd see that babies, the more easy going, um, you know, the happy to join like new areas and things like that. When they're coming in you can see the how emotional they are as well. Yeah. Um, and a lot of children are not used to being around anybody at the moment. So yeah. they're very wary, they're unsettled. Very um, unsettled. I've noticed that a lot. Yeah. When I've come and up there. You can see it in the parents as well. They're anxious. Yes. Because they're not used to having the children around anybody. So... It has had a big impact on everyone. Yeah. I've n- well, I've noticed, well, m- my friend had a baby like a year ago, like during lockdown, and he said it was similar. So yeah. 
is trying to get well they, she goes his little daughter goes to the uh, private day nursery um just like three times a week in order to get that socialization because yeah. like with pe around people she's not very very good yeah and it's because of uh lockdown because she couldn't see anyone else apart from apart from my friend and, yeah. and his wife so, yeah, it's, yeah it's a very common story okay. very common story um let's just <clears throat> move on i think a cost question is important so in terms of if you want to send your your child if you want to send your child to a to a nursery what are the sort of typical costs that you could expect to sort of have to outlay. Um, you've got private and, and probably, I, I, I don't know how the system works exactly, but maybe you can enlighten me. <laughs> so, so ha- you, yeah. depending on the your circumstances and what kind of sessions you're looking for, then these different, um, like a different costing for full-time places, part-time places, um, we work on a pro rata calculation. Um, so everyone knows where they stand then. It's all calculated for the parents and they work, you know, they they know that that'll payment will come out on say the first of every month. There is a lot of support now for parents. So there's two year old funding and three and four year old funding. So um, sorry, we gonna say No, go on, go on, finish. Um a lot of parents now can get extra support from the government as well. Um, it, they try to balance it out by offering more working parents, you know, like a top up. So that's like your 30 hours that's advertised. Um, and then you can get like different types of tax free childcare. So this, this support for everybody. Um, and we like, from what we offer, you can see the impact that it has on them parents as well. Mm. So, so typically, most private nurseries, which is what we are, take children from six weeks um, onwards. Um, at the at really at at when when they until they turn two, um, it is the peripheral individual circumstance that determines how much help they get so you know if you if they if they're a student which we seem to see a lot of then yeah. a lot of their costs are paid childcare costs are paid so that they can go and attend college you've got tax credits you've got all the other standard government incentives that are out there and then when the child turns 2 the government offers every child who from two to three years old, 15 hours a week of free childcare that the government pays for. Now there's a big- That's based on, that's based on like the parents fitting into certain criteria. Yes, so so it's- Means tested. It's means tested. Um, Then when they go to uh, three years old, there's three-year-old funding and four-year-old funding, uh, which typically is 30 hours. Now, there was talk about introducing 
30-hour free childcare for the two to three-year-olds. That hasn't happened yet. But what the government has done is brought in this thing, which not every nursery does, uh, but I think, but we do. Uh, it's called stretch, where you can spread your 15 or 30 hours across so before so the government pays term time only it's it's based on the school yeah. system but they've brought in this this stretch system where it allows parents to bring children in during holidays if they so wish obviously it depends on um uh, what the nurse, what what the nursery can manage, um, because we, above all, there there are two major things, apart from the socialising and, and the teaching. <clears throat> there's two major things really that we are constantly aware of, and one is that we meet the Ofsted ratios. So there are guidances set by Ofsted and you have to be Ofsted registered to get the funding. Mm -hmm. So if you're not Ofsted registered, you can still run as a nursery, but you can't get the, the free funding. Um, but to get the, the say free funding, um, you, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, so you have to be Ofsted registered to get the free funding Oh, I've lost my train of thought. We were talking about stretch funding, weren't we? Yeah, so it is, if the parents wish to, sw uh, to stretch the funding, they can do. Um, sometimes it's really tricky to calculate. Um, but what you do is... It gives the parents that opportunity to, like Ruth says, bring them in the holidays and keep a consistent routine for the children. Mm. Um, yeah. Which, if children are off for, say, the whole of summer, when they come back at the start of the new term, some children don't cope as well as others at coming back after, like, having a full six weeks. Yes. Off. So some parents use that opportunity to keep them in so they, yeah, yeah. they can keep in a nice routine. Yeah, I would have thought it would be pretty important because a lot of parents can't have uh, that much time off work. Like, consider, well, unless you're a teacher and you go by term times, then yeah. so most people don't work in that way. No, so what happens then is the parent will take the 15-hour or the 30-hour free funding, stretch it when, wherever they're able to, yeah. Uh, and then pay a top-up, so they pay additional fees um, to put their child in for extra hours. Um, the two things, I've remembered, the two things that were really <clears throat> are the, the two big things that we, as a nursery, have to absolutely adhere to. One is safeguarding, um, and the second is that we meet Ofsted ratios that we so Ofsted set out guidelines as to how many um, staff per staff per child, yeah. or how many ch children per, per staff per, per member of staff, yeah. per members of staff, uh, and 
you know, there is a dichotomy there where it's a different rule for schools okay. and a different rule for nurseries. Um, what's, it, whole... what's, it, what's it for <clears throat> nurseries and so what's wrong? So they've changed the rules. Vicky, um, do you want to take this? They've changed the rules. Let me just put my two cents worth in. <laughs> Uh, so that the, it's it used to be really strict, and now they've said it's guidelines as long as you stay within the guidelines. So you've got so your baby room age, you've you've got a ratio of a one to three, so one right. adult to three children, and then it goes into your next age bracket, which is what we'd call your toddler age children. So you've got a ratio of one to four, again, one adult to four children. And then your preschool children, um, you've got um, your ratio of one to eight. So one adult to eight children. That must be very difficult to maintain. Like with the, if you've well, one member of staff for three, three babies. Yeah, it is, it is not easy. Yeah. It's it's probably one of our biggest challenges to to maintain and make sure that we stay within ratios because for any childcare business, at least seventy five percent of the money that comes in goes to um, wages. Yeah. Uh, and and most and for the amount that these staff these members of staff have to do. And the, the majority of them are on minimum wage on, in almost every nursery. Yeah. You know, it's a big ask. It's difficult with young it, children. And, and, yeah, and, and dealing with children is, or working with children is not easy. Mm. Okay. Um, I want to touch on sort of the types of nurseries, that kind of thing, because that's, I don't really know that much of the difference between, say, Montessori and something else. So you've got different types of, um, uh, they work in different ways. Um, I don't know if you could help me understand that. So, sure, yeah. sure. Vicky, you want to do this or do you want me to do it? You can do this one, all okay. the fancy words. Um, so typically there are three types of nurseries um, that are the most common. Um, You've got your your standard nursery that follows EYFS. You've got Montessori nurseries, and Montessori nurseries were set up by a lady called Maria Montessori. And the, the, the key difference between those two initially, although it's sort of blurred a lot now, uh, was that with the Montessori, everything was planned so just like in schools where teachers have to plan out the lessons we have to do the same at the nursery but we have to do it uh oh, sorry so so with with the montessori the planning would be around the child so if a little boy for example is big into superman or spider-man or whatever it is you know some sort of superhero and another little boy is big into Barbie dolls. Oh, yeah. Um, you've got a design activity you, space. Yeah. yeah. Or there's what somebody who just wants to colour all the time. Then all of the activities in that Montessori 
would be around the scaffolding that takes place around the learning is based on that child's interest. Now, EYFS initially was you set up, um, there are steps that they go up. So in, in like in the old curriculum, pre-2014, you had a level, f by the end, by the time you were in year six, you had to have achieved uh, a level five. And if you achieved a level six, you were considered in the top quarter percentile. Very, the, the original, or, or the, yeah, so the original EYFS was set up along those lines where there were steps that they, you know, there are next, and, and still there are next steps. Of, yeah. So is a baby uh, able to turn, for example, do they recognize you when, when you go up and do they smile? Yeah. Certain things. So, so there are steps within development. Um, and what EYFS has done is brought in a lot of what the Montessori system did. I've got that right, haven't I, Vicky? That, that you, you try and plan around the child's interest. Yeah. yeah. And the next steps. And the next steps, obviously. Yeah. And then you've got a, an emerging type of uh, nursery, which is called, they're called forest schools. And in a nutshell, what they are is that almost all of the learning takes place outdoors in a foresty sort of a woodland sort of environment. So um, sounds really fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like, what about babies? They, they can't do that. No, they can't. <laughs> They can't, but there's... Oh, in the wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, forest, forest schools are, are, are more for the toddlers and upwards, yeah. really. But that's the sort of emerging... Um, what do you think of that model? For us, we looked at this, do you remember? Yeah. We looked at how we could incorporate some of the forest school ideas. For us, where we are, we're in a deprived area with no forest around us, <laughs> not possible. Yeah, <laughs> Just no, that will be a Logistically, problem. we even looked at, well, what if we did it one day a week and we took the children out one day a week? Yeah. Logistically, just not possible. Yeah, there's like so, costs as well, like getting them, exactly. getting them to the forest and yeah. getting them back. And, yeah. yeah. And then safety. Right? Well, we, I mean, we take children out yeah. um, and you have to do all your risk assessments. So, you know, when, when uh, a room leader comes in to Vicky and says, oh, we're taking them to the park or the museum, then Vicky needs to see the risk assessments before she'll approve it. So there's always risk assessments. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... it's um, so we, we try and incorporate... We I must admit we haven't succeeded yet, but we try and incorporate as much of that forest ethos into... Because we, we're really lucky, we've got a big um, garden. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do is uh, develop the nursery so that we can incorporate some of that forest idea yeah. into the garden. That's but we haven't I, got there yeah. yet. <laughs> okay, um, I just want to ask the question to both of you. Um, uh, what's the most, so from your perspective, so what's the most challenge, challenging aspects of in, in your case, overseeing everything? 
the distance is definitely a challenge. I'd love to be able to just pop in, although probably Vicky's thinking, good job she's far away because she, there's chaos every time she comes. Yeah, it follows me. So, um, so the distance, um, I'm, I've had the nursery now 20 years. When we first got it, obviously I was 20 years younger and to do a day trip was, I wouldn't even think twice about it. Drive up, do what I needed to do, be there for 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock sometimes, you know, drive back at five o'clock and and be into work the next day, into tuition the next day. Can't do it anymore. Yeah. So that's quite far, Huddersfield. That's about as far as. But I used to be able to do it. It was never an issue. I can't, I am, I must admit, at the minute, I am struggling, but I think a lot of this is lockdown fever where we've just got out of the habit i've just got out of the habit yeah um so that's definitely a big challenge uh after lockdown bringing the business back up has been a massive challenge financially um the transition was fine because vicky knows her stuff inside out and um you know, I've got no issues in just letting her run with it. Yeah. Um, and then really it's just the planning of the business going forward because for the last 10 years or so, probably not 10 actually, probably about seven years or so, I've constantly been looking to say, okay, I want to get another nursery up there. It's just we've looked at so many and it just hasn't happened so now I'm at a point of, okay, well, let's just develop this one a bit more. Okay. So that's my biggest challenge. I don't know what, well, yeah. yours will be a bit more day-to-day, I imagine. Yeah, day-to-day challenges. Yeah. So, like, no day is ever the same in in the nursery. Um, there's, well, there's always something going on. Um, you've got, like, You've got obviously COVID has had a big impact on everyone. Um, we're wanting to obviously, like Ruby says, develop the nursery and then we want to pick the business up and get spaces filled, um, which now we're seeing more people are getting out and about. So we're getting a lot more inquiries. But a lot of people are wanting, you know, like set kind of requests so they only want to do certain hours um and then you try your best obviously to cater for what everybody wants um but then you you start on a a smooth roll and then something else happens changes by the hour (laughs) yeah you've either got like obviously with the whole covid situation you've either got people that are needing to, well, was needing to isolate. Um, So if anyone was a close contact, obviously you had to isolate everybody. Um, We're at that time of year now where everyone's getting the winter colds and, or the, you know, they're not feeling well because everybody's mixing again. Um, So obviously they're going to get, they're going to start feeling unwell. Yeah, because we're going into flu Um, season. Yeah, so you've 
constantly got to keep your staffing going and then you've got to manage your staffing to manage your ratios. Um, then you've got the day-to-day running of the nursery. So you've got like everything that happens throughout the day. You've got your office side, you've got the nursery nurse side. You've got the building um, side. Oh, we've had a leak here or Asda hasn't yeah. turned up or... Car know, parks flooded. Car parks flooded. It's all sorts of yeah. stuff. Mm. Okay. But, you can't really write it because, like I say, no day is the same. Yeah. Staffing is probably one of the biggest headaches in terms of, um, like you said, if, if somebody come, you know, is not well or needs to isolate or... I think that's a challenge for... Everyone. Well, well it's a challenge for most businesses, but especially education. Well, particularly because yeah. we've got to stay within ratio. So if a member of staff in the baby room has to isolate, yeah, then we have to see what... Well, they've been in contact with everybody else. Or, so we have to then see, well, who have they been in contact with? Which parents do we need to speak to? Which members of staff need to isolate? But in the meantime, we still have to keep the room going. So then how do we do that? It's a massive challenge. Okay. Uh, I'd like to draw to a close, I suppose. Um, thank you, Vicky, for joining us and Rupa. Um, and we'll hopefully see you next time for another podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.